This, along with every episode of According to Flint, brought to you by Pendleton Whiskey. For more than a century, the Pendleton Roundup has defined what it means to be a cowboy. It also gave life to something equally renowned, a whiskey that captures that unique spirit in every bottle. A whiskey made with the finest northern grains and cut with Mount Hood glacier water. A whiskey that celebrates the cowboy in all of us. That is Pendleton Whiskey, and that's true Western tradition. Pendleton Distillers, Lawrenceburg, Indiana. Please drink responsibly. Since 1973, the art of engraving brings to life the artistry that Montana silversmiths is known for and is fueled by a passion for the Western lifestyle. Montana silversmiths' buckles and jewelry are more than accessories. They are stories, stories of moments and memories shared through the giving, receiving, and earning of Montana silversmiths' buckles and jewelry. Celebrate what matters with Montana silversmiths. Well, welcome to episode number 70. As I said, my good friend, colleague, father, husband, motivational speaker. Not your, not your father. Your <laughs> not, husband, my, but... not my father. Our friend Scott Grover, two guys sitting here that do <clears throat> this a lot. <laughs> yeah, I catch gonna, myself. It's going to be a clear your throat kind of podcast. <laughs> you know, I think you must know this. We talk about Toothpick Scott. Mm-hmm. Do you know? Mm-hmm. Do you know Toothpick Scott? I know Toothpick. I know toothpicks. Who, who yeah. came up with, uh, was it Matt Merritt? I think came that was a with? Matt Merritt deal. It's funny, I got a call from, or a text from Leon Vick the other day that said, tell me about toothpicks, oh. Scott. And I said, what? And he goes, just got off. I said, you must be talking with Merritt. And he goes, no, nope. worse, Flint. It, it was me. And I said, well, uh, <clears throat> yeah, it keeps me from uh, chewing Copenhagen and throwing microphones across the room. <laughs> we'll get, we'll <laughs> get, we'll try to get back to Leon Vick. He's the boss at Denver. Called me and we were talking and. He was actually praising your work. Mm-hmm. And I said, have you met Toothpick Scott? Because, <laughs> okay, what is Toothpick Scott? So I quit you in Copenhagen about 13 years ago, okay? And <clears throat> it was one of the absolute hardest things I've ever done. But I was bound to determine I was going to do it. So, but I had, <clears throat> I needed something in my mouth. So I started chewing on plastic toothpicks. Yeah. And that one has a, you have some with the brush yeah, on yeah, the Yeah, a little brush on I the like end of one and they're good. Yeah. And, and I carry them. I mean, I've, I've chewed them. I bet I chew three or four a day. Okay. So it's just something that I always have with me. Well, when I start to, when I get to thinking or get a little bit perturbed or something during a production meeting i might work a toothpick a little bit and uh chew on a toothpick a little bit or it just kind of helps if, uh, calm me down yeah if, if we see you with a toothpick it's there's something like there's something going on that damn thing <laughs> uh, uh-oh toothpick's up toothpick hey, is it's, out it's a good gauge of where we're going if i walk up to you and you're you're leaning with a toothpick yeah. I'm just going to let you be. Yeah. For, no, I, no, I don't in let my, you be. I'm in my element. You but are. what's yeah. funny is now you all come to me for toothpicks, so um, I'm pretty uh, popular at catering now. I actually have come to you, and you have a good supply I do. of toothpicks. I always, have some. Uh, I always worry I'm going to get the one you've been using. No, nah, never. Never. But I've never given one mm-hmm. back either. No. So we appreciate it. And I don't but, put them in the front of my hat either. No. But. If you need a toothpick during this, mm-hmm. just I, pull it out because it... I actually it's, forgot them. Stuff's going them. deep. Yeah, I mean, I don't have one. Today, well, I don't so. have any here. Yeah. I have a feather, whatever. Yeah, so, uh, the best episodes of these, and we don't get to do very many of them, are in person. It, 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 even if, now, 
through the last few years, all the Zoom stuff, and it has helped because even when you're not face-to-face, you get to be face-to-face, but it's not the same. But this summer, you guys, you and your family, you got the motorhome and Mm -hmm. you make a loop up through Montana. Here we are in Billings, Montana, in the middle of doing some pretty fun shows. No, these, I think these are the, some of the best ones we do. <clears throat> it was like we were talking about, I worked Albuquerque this year, worked a bunch in the, in the beginning of the year for the UTB worked the finals, but I told everybody the ones I'm looking forward to <clears throat> the most are going to Kalispell, Great Falls, Deadwood to get mm-hmm. to work with you because it's not in that big arena element where everything's just scripted out where we get to have a little bit more fun and kind of, and just hang out. I've said it, it must have been on one of my live broadcasts, or, and I've said it to a lot of people. There is, there's a real cool uh, thing about being in Madison Square Garden or D- Dickie's Arena, TV, your live television, you're controlled by TV. And, because what it does is I think it creates a discipline in everything else you Absolutely. do because we have to hit our marks. Yeah. And that creates a discipline, however... When we get to do these Challenger Series events, so they are PBR-sanctioned events. Mm -hmm. I call them the lower level because, frankly, they are, but we get a lot of great riders. It takes, it lets me get into the arenas where I became addicted to it in the first Mm -hmm. place. This is what we fell in love with, and I think we need that reminder sometimes. I absolutely think we need that reminder because the... (laughs) The PBR is a grind, you know. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it, it is kind of a grind of traveling and, and going in and, and those high pressure situations, um, where these are a little more laid back. But what I love about that contrast, then though, is like when I go to a rodeo, what I what I do at the PBR and what I've learned there makes me so much better at one of those. You mm-hmm. know, for, from production wise to to just being able to get through situations because things might not run as smooth as they would yeah. on a you know on a on a bigger level event. But um, yeah, I love I love being outdoors too. So that's a, that's a good thing. I I love being outdoors when it's eighty two and in great sunny falls when it's raining. I have become such a wuss. <laughs> uh, I. I joked about it at Great Falls, and I told the people they have a great committee there. You know, we never deal with, like, a local committee till we get to these now. And I said, I'm what? I work inside. Yep. And so, for those people watching, huge rain in Montana. Oh, my disappeared. It rained, like, three inches in Great Falls, Montana. We are outside. And so, it's back to... I, I... there was, I used to every, tolerate. there was three of everything walking down the street looking for an arc was how much it ran. Oh, my gosh. Fast. It was so it, it's, uh, you know, we see it with the riders that have mm-hmm. uh, are used to being inside. And I used to tolerate it better, but it just ruins things. And I'm too <laughs> old. My knees are too old to put up with mud. But it does. It, it, it makes you deal with things. It gives me material I don't normally have yeah. well, inside. Guy, there, was, there was riders that only brought one rope. Like Chase yeah. Outlaw, he was, he was mad. I can't believe I left my other ropes at home because he didn't even think about it raining because how many times do they, do we have to deal with that kind of stuff now, you know, for them? Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, it was a, it was an well, interesting and that, So logistics wise and rider performance wise, the, the arena in front of the shoots was water, mm-hmm. literally, yeah. literally, literally water. water. So at a one night challenger event, there's a long round. We bucked 38, 40, whatever, and then 10 to the short round. 
you, as a bull rider, you really have no way to keep your rope from falling in the water. So Chase Outlaw makes a great ride on his first bull, gets off, and he tried. Yeah, he tried to flip it, flip it back over that bull's back so that it wouldn't, uh, wouldn't come off. Yeah. So what happens is all the guys that make the championship round, their ropes fall in the water. Half hour later, they're getting ready to get on another bull, and their rope's wet. Yeah. And there were some guys that they either jumped off or their ropes were really <laughs> wet. Were really but one thing we did see, talking bull riding now, Dalen Swearingen bucks off but got fouled. Mm -hmm. So he gets a re-ride. His rope in the water. Mm -hmm. He didn't take his re-ride. And we instantly were, were put little toothpick. Perturbed. Yeah, a little, well, little why don't, So I catched him. Catched him. <laughs> That's why I'm an announcer too. I caught him back at during intermission. I said, "You didn't take your re-ride." No. What'd you do? Because he was limping. He yeah. said, "Nothing really." He said, "My hips hurting me a little. I'm in Great Falls, so I don't need that." But he said, "My rope is soaked." So the next one, he didn't think he had a real competitive chance to be at his best. And so it's an issue. It's one that we don't really see in rodeo. You don't see it because they get on one. Right. So right. we've created putting the elements back into a challenger PBR has it's it's different than a rodeo. Well, and you're not going to get your rosin to stick either. So not at it, all. There's it's yeah that was a that that was an interesting because um, I'd kind of forgot about that because I was getting perturbed with guys falling off so quick and then I finally started realizing. Well, the ropes are slick, so Dude. probably not. And, you know, I get on a lot of bulls, so. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, me two too. Two or three a week so, at least. So <laughs> I was in Calgary years ago when the PBR first became kind of affiliated mm -hmm. with it. That was kind of the only rodeo I did. And it, as it does in Calgary, it poured down rain one day. And it was, might have been Luke Snyder. It was Luke Snyder or LJ Jenkins. They were just laughing and didn't know what to do. It was pouring down rain. Had never ridden in the rain. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, oh because goodness. they went through their, you know, whatever they, high school and stuff, but yeah. in their professional career. Never had had to do So it. guys had garbage bags, and they're like, what the hell do I do here? <laughs> no. <laughs> um, but these, uh, I, I like to talk about the smaller events. You know, there's... There's Kalispell and Great Falls, by the way, which I had scheduled the whole time to finish out right. the tour. And the this is seven, how all... The extra seven last dances. The extra seven yeah. last dances. Um, you know, Great Falls, Kalispell, Deadwood. We're on our way to Deadwood, South Dakota. Mm -hmm. I'll go to Binford, North Dakota. And there's Big Sky and Livingston. We get caught up, when I say we, the PBR gets caught up in, hey, the team series. Hey, the Unleash the Beast tour. These events are more important to the sport mm -hmm. than anyone realizes, and I can say it and be critical, they're more important than the PBR realizes. Well, it's, it's a feeder system. And yeah. to me, I mean, I've, I've, I've always said this with, with Rodeo too. We can't forget where we started to get to where we're at. And you don't just snap your fingers and get to the UTB. It doesn't work like that. You right. have to have a feeder system of some kind. And we kind of went through a little bit of a lull, I think, with that last year with the, the challengers that were in the fall of having trouble filling them and getting enough guys. And uh, I know there's 18 busloads of Brazilians that are waiting to come here, but they're <laughs> not here yet. Yeah. So, um, but it gives guys like, you know, uh, and especially what Chad's doing with King of the North, you know, this – 
this run will pay a hundred thousand dollars in my not in September. Well, and uh, twelve or fourteen stops. Uh, twelve stops. Twelve of these small yep. events, and at the end, the most points, however yeah. they have it figured, or more most money yep. gets a hundred grand. Yeah, anyway. which <clears throat> which Dalen won that hundred thousand last year. We yeah. came down between Dalen, um, Keyshawn Whitehorse, Gage Gay, and Silvano Alves. Yeah. So. You, the guys are going to these events because there's a lot of money to be won. And then Dalen winning uh, Kalispell, you know, he didn't look good at the Velocity Finals, but he looked great in Kalispell. Yeah. So, um, and then Chase Outlaw and wins. Chase Outlaw Listen, we're, good we went Falls to, we went, yeah. not that it was across the board, all those guys, mm-hmm. but you need on a, what's a, we talk about it, our friend Adam Libby produces events, a one night challenger event. If you buck 40 bulls, a great night is, Eight rides in the long round and, and two. two in the eight short round two, at Kalispell. Yeah. We were seven and two, yep. but that's yep. and so yeah. Dalen wins Kalispell and Chase Outlaw mm-hmm. wins in Great Falls with Andrew Alvidra as second. When you go to little markets like that and you're out in Great Falls, Montana, in the slop, yep. and that's your top two, that's pretty that's good a big night draw. to yeah. to to see. Yeah. But yeah, those guys, it's a good opportunity in the summer. Why not? Well, and you're also gearing up for teams, so you got to stay. I mean, you could take that, what is it, a month and a half? You could take the month and a half off between the finals and the team starting, Mm -hmm. or somebody's surely going to go shoot free throws, right? So you have to stay relevant to the sport and continue to do what you're doing to to be better when when the season starts again. Here's another good point with what, so people watch and go, why don't those guys take off and and get healed. They do. When they go to Kalispell, Great Falls, Deadwood, Bismarck, Binford, they're not getting on legend, right. cool whip, yep. riding solo. Chad Berger is a master at mm-hmm. putting together pensables, and it is more like playing pickup basketball. It's not easy. It's not easy at all. But it's you're not getting slammed every night. It's well, a different deal. And even Chase said that the other night. He said, I wasn't having fun riding bulls. And he said, and I had to realize that riding bulls is fun. Well, Riding bulls isn't fun when you buck off a lot of them and you get slammed mm-hmm. every weekend, but it sure is fun when you ride them for eight seconds. So, you know, Chad, yeah, exactly, putting those bulls, pinna bulls together. And nobody has as many as Chad does to be able to. Right, to like put, that. To, exactly, yeah. to be able to put them together like and, that. And he keeps pins of bulls like that just because he does so yeah. many of these events. I yeah. mean, through the summer, Chad Berger's as busy as anybody. Mm-hmm. And a rodeo company has rodeo bulls. So, anyway, that helps. I'll, I'll uh, add to what you said about the challenger events being a feeder system. Mm. I agree. But I look at it also, it's a feeder system for fans. Where do, listen, and I'll say it, I think we do stress our main tour. The reason when I say, I don't even know if the PBR knows how important these are. Mm. Hey, people in Montana and Deadwood and Binford, North Dakota, can't go to Madison Square Garden and... Uh, wherever we go, I'm trying, I listen to me. I can't even think of where we go <laughs> Tacoma, Washington and to these unleash the beast tour events are all in cities. And I'm sorry, but the base of our fans mm-hmm. are still in places like we're sitting right now. Well, I asked the other night, how many, how many people were seeing PBR for the first time in Kalispell? And there was a huge amount of applause. So to me, every opportunity we have to make a fan out of somebody for Western sports is a great thing. And sometimes it takes a county fairgrounds in Kalispell, Montana, to create a fan or create a kid that's that's sitting there wondering what he wants to do, whether he wants to play football, baseball, ride a motorcycle, or ride bulls, to go, hey, 
this looks this looks like fun. So mm. we need all of those elements. Um, you need the big ones, you need the small ones, and they all work together for the common good. Yeah. I think it's a reminder to me, like I said, what I fell in love with in the first place because it's a different style at our big events. Mm-hmm. They're fast, kind of fast-paced, With all, then all of a sudden they have to stop. Right. A lot of music, it's a different, a lot of sponsor uh, activations. What I like is I get to do comedy. Yeah, you actually Let, get... You get time to do, to, to be you. Yeah. Do you. Because really when you think about it, the Unleash the Beast events, we do some stuff that, we do a lot of things that bring people joy mm. and make you giggle here and there. But my roots going back to being, I think, I think I was a really good rodeo clown. And a lot of that is kind of true timing mm-hmm. comedy, pauses, which you guys understand. And I get to do comedy. Mm-hmm. And... I miss that sometimes where where I say, hey, let's take a break. Flint, go ahead. Right. And I tell you a story yep. about what I saw in town. Yep. And yep. I don't know. I think it's. That's why that's why I like these three events. These are probably my three favorite events, mm-hmm. um, especially to work with you because we get to do things different. You know, we, we get to talk about, we can talk about the day over the microphone and we can go back in time and pull something out. You know, it's, I, I don't know, there's just something special about these three PBR events that I get to do where they're, which they're just, they're just different. Yeah. But you have a good balance. That's why I kind of, for one, I wanted to have you mm-hmm. on because you rarely go through here. Right. Yeah. So it's, yeah. you know, and, but you are unique in the sense, I think you're as far as announcers go, MCs, ho- arena host. Mm-hmm. There you Ooh, go. When are we going to change nice. that name? Yeah, I'm no, I'm not an announcer. I'm an arena host. Putting hey, it on my social media hey, today. You, you the AH. Yeah, yeah. You're the arena <laughs> yeah. host. Is you have a balance, good balance in your career of. I always said when I first got to doing PBRs, my career fell into place because I'd f- book as many rodeos as I could, mm-hmm. and then fill in the winter weekends with PBRs. Yeah. That's a great situation Mm -hmm. to be in, and that's what you do. You balance between rodeo and PBR. Yeah, I've been very, very lucky with that. I mean, of course, we all started in rodeo, and I got my card, my PRCA card in 2005, and and, um, wasn't – I was teaching school and and doing a few rodeos, you know, a few pro rodeos a year, and then it just kind of kept building and building and building, and and I really didn't have – the PBR wasn't on my radar. Mm -hmm. You know, I didn't didn't even think about – that I mean, I had done a couple humps and horns deals at that time, right. you know, back in the day, an enterprise rental car tour events, and and um, and then uh, Jeff Robinson called me and said, uh, and I wish the call would have came from Jerome, but it came from Jeff, right? And because Jeff was helping Jerome find somebody to go to Baton Rouge to the Chris Shivers Invitational, and uh, this would have been. 07, 08, I guess. So I said, um, yeah, I'll go. So I went to went to Baton Rouge, walked in the building, saw this big muscly guy standing over by the announcer stand and some some guy by the name of Kurt Blake who would be a jerk <laughs> to me for the next uh, two full days um, and then become one of my greatest friends yeah. in the world. But it was Matt West. And I got to work with Matt. And we just, we hit it off, just just automatically hit it off. And uh, so then all of a sudden, Matt and I kind of became a team, and we got to right. work some stuff together. And, it, and I, was, I was learning, getting some stuff done. And, and then um, 
uh, it came to the time when the Jerome Rob Jerome Davis Invitational was Labor Day weekend, and Craig Hummer either had a bicycle accident or got sick because he couldn't go to Thackerville. Oh yeah, he, I believe that was the year he got hit on his bike. That's right. Yeah, yeah. And I yeah. can't believe you dro- drove all the way to California to run over him on his bike. <laughs> yeah, yeah, good well, job. Yeah, I needed a, job. I needed yeah. an opportunity. <laughs> but uh, Brandon and Clint were going to do television, so they called Matt, and Matt goes, "Hey, I've got Jerome's event. I'm not going to go to Thackerville." And he calls me and goes, "You want to go to Thackerville?" And I said, "Well, why don't I go to Archdale and you go to Thackerville?" He goes, "No, we'll be fine." So Jerome Robinson was either going to take me or Dwayne Peters. And um, I ended up getting the call first and got to go. And then, uh, shoot, after that, it was just kind of a snowball with the PBR. Mm-hmm. You know, the Velocity Tour came along, and, and Matt was doing a bunch of moving back and forth, or Matt and I would work together. And then all of a sudden, I just – it was – it was that way. It was all winter long was the PBR. And then when May hit, I got to rodeo till September. And then I got to go back to work with the PBR in the fall. And and it's just been, um, yeah, it's been truly the greatest balance that an announcer would ever want to have because I'm busy from January to November. Yeah. You know. And every time you're, you know, we tell young, whether it's clowns or announcers, mic time. You just, yeah. that's how you perfect everything. Because I remember when you came around, I thought your biggest... They, I remember saying, he's really good. He just needs confidence. Yes. And I remember I've come and talked to you. Hey, don't trail off this. Don't yep. do this. Just because of all the guys I worked with, and it was never a, a critical thing. I just knew, all right, you're okay. You're yeah. Just um, yeah, make, I, make people listen to you. And from the time that I started, I, didn't, I knew nothing. I, nobody taught, nobody helped me in this business as far as announcers go no way no, no yeah, wait no announcer stepped up and said yeah let me help yeah, you get better would, so you nobody can would take help my me because <laughs> so, like when i started i went i started in doing junior rodeos in beatrice nebraska where i was going to school and because i wanted to be involved in rodeo but i i couldn't ride bulls couldn't i, I had a horse but i roped terribly my parents didn't come from that kind of background and I thought, well, you know what? I got some public speaking stuff through FFA, and uh-huh. I just did a speech and speech class at college. I'm going to try that. So I asked the lady if I could announce a rodeo, and she said, uh, well, no, we got a guy. And I said, well, that guy's not very good. So could I <laughs> Great could job. I do it? Great job. And do uh, she said, well, no. And the guy got sick the next week. So Weird. another Scott gets Weird. a call, yeah. and uh, I poisoned. I didn't. I did not poison him. And, There's uh, a weird path here. <laughs> I know, I know. So, but 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 mic time was a very important thing to me, and I tell young announcers this because I am a guy that will help other announcers. It's never too small to go work. Go work if you want to do this. If you want to be where I'm at someday, or whoever's at, whoever you're looking for, looking up to, you have to put in the time. You're not just just because you did a rodeo last week doesn't mean you're ready to do the NFR. I'm sorry, you're not. I mean, I spent however many years in the amateur ranks before I went pro, and I still was not ready to go pro on the day that I went pro. I just wasn't. And um, and I learned something every time I get behind the mic of how to be better. Or I still have people tell me, hey, you know, uh, you're. I would do that a little different. Yeah. Or keep keep your tempo up right there, or whatever. And uh, so you never, I never quit learning in this business. Well, I see it in the last four or five years of your, and this isn't a case of I didn't bring you here to tell you, like, hey, good job. No, thank you. Yeah. 
But I remember you came to Albuquerque, and you have a lot mm-hmm. come yep. to Albuquerque. I remember one of the first years there. I think I told you or told Matt. I can't remember Brandon Bates, me, whoever we were working with. Mm-hmm. I said, and I might have told you, they're stopping listening when you're talking because mm-hmm. you were just going through yep. what you had. Yep. And I said, do this, yep. keep it there. Now you don't have to yell mm-hmm. all the time, right? And like now, the last few times, it's like. You got some, yeah. you got shit to say, man. Yeah. You know, yeah. and yeah. I don't know. I think when done the correct way, we can all help each other. Absolutely. Well, and I think, I think my career's grown. Prof- I think I have grown professionally by leaps and bounds in the last five years. I, I, and, I think and really, really came into my own <clears throat> of who I was supposed to be. I think in the last three. Yeah. Uh, the, as yeah. well as the last yeah. five. But right. I've seen in the last two or three, I've commented like, mm. man. Like, mm. and uh, and that's key. When we, I said something on one of my broadcasts the other day. When you feel like we should always think we need to get better every time. And when you reach the point, I've reached the point. I've always thought I want to be better. Mm. The World Finals, I didn't get to enjoy it like people want me to because I had put pressure on myself. I'm still working here. Yeah. But uh, I've reached the point where I don't have the energy or heart to feel like I want to get better anymore. Mm-hmm. And then it's time, I think then it's time to stop. Well, and I think you have to, and I'm, and I'm glad that you, that you see that. Like, I don't, I don't want you to stop. Like right. it's, it's, and, and it's a, it's a selfish thing for all of us to get to work with you. We, we enjoy doing that. But I think when you find that point, <clears throat> I think you're better off to stop than to be the guy that is just bitter for the next however many years, because you think you still have to work. <laughs> my, my girls actually, when I was kicking around, my girls said, dad, it's time before you hate everybody. You work <laughs> <laughs> yep, exactly. <laughs> Never want to get there. So, exactly. and there's nights that I'll do something, you know, these small ones at Kalispell, Great Falls. I go, uh, I still, yeah, I still think I'm the best yeah. one. Yeah. Damn it. Yeah. But, yeah. I, you know, joking, because you're out there in the rodeo world. Um, I've said on here, all of a sudden, I, you know, they call me the entertainer of the PBR mm-hmm. because we didn't know what to say without the word rodeo because right. we're not technically right. a rodeo. That's where the name change came. There mm-hmm. was discussions. What should we call you? Arena entertainer because rodeo clown doesn't fit because rodeos are that PBR. Right. It wasn't a right. condescending thing. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, uh, announcer stuff are calling rodeo clowns your rodeo entertainer. Mm-hmm. I'm proud of yep. rodeo clown. Like I have, mm-hmm. I'll throw that. I have eight buckles that say clown of the year. Yeah. And I'm proud of that. I think, I think there should be also a pride because people are going to call you a rodeo clown anyway. Yeah. At the, especially yeah. at the rodeo. Mm-hmm. You're the rodeo clown. I think there needs some guys. I'm okay. Whatever you want to call yourself, but there's a pride in that title. I think. Well, I think so. And I'm, I still like a, I still like a clown that wears baggies. If I'm the at bag- a rodeo. It, it Okay, we'll come back to what you're saying. Okay. If I'm at a rodeo, either wear your the, the baggies are the big jeans, yep. which look at all the mm-hmm. to the day I did my last rodeo, I wore that the big baggy have. jeans. Okay. Now, if you have the proper, I was the first kind of barrel man to wear a uniform mm-hmm. with PBR, yep. but I switched back and forth. It's got to be right. Don't just throw a shirt and shorts on and like you forgot <laughs> yeah. your baggies, right, your right, big right, jeans. Right. But you're right. I. That's a rodeo clown thing. If you're going to change it, be your own, mm-hmm. but have a 
coordinated uniform of some sort. Well, yeah, find find your own style, but yet make it professional. And that's something that's yours. Like, that's one thing I always enjoyed as a kid looking through the Pro Rodeo Sports News. I could I could name the bullfighters because of their makeup. Yeah. And that's one thing that my, my son Statler, he's trying to find his makeup. Like, that's a big thing to him. Okay, well, what's going to be my signature look? You know, because every clown has that. And, and we get to a place now where... You know, we've got some clowns that don't wear makeup. We've got some bullfighters that don't wear makeup. Um, and then I look at a guy like uh, Cody Webster. Always, he to me, Cody is so interesting. At a PBR, he doesn't wear makeup because we don't. Right. Okay. But as soon as he goes to a rodeo, man, he puts it on. Yeah, and they they will at the NFR, exactly. and then some nights they won't. Or maybe I'm wrong there. I think but I've been wearing it at the. It, NFR. I think they have, yeah. and I think it's a. It harkens to we're a rodeo. Yep. Uh, PBR does do things different mm-hmm. when the, you know, Rob Smets was the first to, with the help of my friend Duncan Dickinson, design a, a uniform. Mm-hmm. It was CarQuest. Yep. 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 And then they took that over and put the bullfighters in them and then they put me in it. But it, it's a, PBR does things different by design. And they, and they, they, they do have things to different. do things. We have to do things different in the PBR because I think it's a, I think it's a different sport. I mean, I, the the fundamentals are still bull riding, right? Yeah. But I think that the two productions are completely different, like, and and that's the goals where, are different. We sell it different. Exactly. It looks different. Yeah. I think the, I think the wholesale of the of the whole thing is different, and that's why <clears throat> that's why I, I don't feel like we're in competition with rodeo, and I get right. so tired of that stuff. And you know, I had a pick on a guy, but I was co-announcing Elko, Nevada, and he said, uh, "Hey, you're the PBR guy." No, I'm a Western sports guy. Like right. I, I'm, but but yet they are different. They they are yeah. completely different. But we're not mad at each other. At least PBR's not yeah. mad at I, Rodeo. I, I got made a huge mistake and engaged in a conversation on social media about some of the stuff like rodeos. People now have access on the Cowboy mm-hmm. Channel to what goes on in the arena. Right. Not many of them are real broadcasts. And I yeah. chimed in and somebody said, why do you care? You're a PBR guy. No. No. We're Western sport. You don't think we care? Yep. It's interesting. Like during the American, we finished our performance. I think we were in Milwaukee mm-hmm. and went down the hall and, and hooked into a TV and watched the streaming of the American yeah. rodeo. I wish people knew that yep. more. But yeah, the rodeo clown thing, I, it's... um. There's a that's cool though. Yeah, Cody Webster, he'll do the makeup. Mm-hmm. When I was rodeoing and I worked Denver for a few years with John Brogan and Eddie Hatfield yep. were the bullfighters. Yep. But they also came out in the arena as clowns. They were old oh, school. Yeah, they were they were the best. They were and their makeup was precise. You look at those old guys. Nowadays some guys just kind of do this. Yeah. Man, no, they, they spent were precise. Time on it. You look at the old Quail Dobbs, Liesel Harris, Rudy Burns, Mm -hmm. and then even bullfighters. Frank Newsom had good makeup. Rick Chapman, Mm -hmm. Miles Ayer. Rob Smets had pretty precise. Wasn't full. That was a cool thing. I'm with you, bullfighters especially. Mm -hmm. Now, listen, I understand the business of the game that when you go to a rodeo, we sold the uniforms, here's what you wear. Right. And you get money from that. But what it's done, now I'm not saying it's bad or good, but what it's done is you can't look, it's taken away the individual uh, 
trademark. Mm-hmm. I could look, I could see Joe Bumgartner from eight miles away yeah. and know it was Joe Bumgartner, as well as Lloyd Ketchum, mm-hmm. as well as Miles Hare and his red and white striped shirt. So there's a part of me that's sentimental that yep. way. That, yep. Well, so. yeah, and it and it was it was the same the same every time. Like uh, Rex Dunn was one of my favorites as a kid to watch because he wore he fought bulls in full baggies, like the all the way pants. long pants, yeah. you know. And uh, <clears throat> but but I knew his makeup. Same with same with Chapman. Same with um, you know and and Miles Hare didn't matter if he had makeup on or not. You you knew Miles. You know yeah. it was just that there was a there was a group of those guys back then that just uh, that. Were the trend the the trendsetters for what we're doing now, but just did it so so cool. It's funny we have this conversation because you know my big notes yeah, that I yeah. bring. <laughs> However, one of the topics, and we've kind of covered it, is I know my dad. You met my dad a year mm-hmm. or so ago, old rodeo announcer, and you guys yeah. sat and visited, and he appreciated it. But I think what I've always kind of liked visiting with you, and I think what has helped your career is you have such respect for the history and heritage mm-hmm. of all of this. And I, hearing your story about you taught school, you didn't really grow up around it, but wanted to be a part of it. I think that makes you look into it more. I think if if a lot of people come up through and they, they rope from the time they're this big, and all of a sudden they're at the top, but don't really know where they came mm-hmm. from. But like in the announcer stuff, you have a real respect for that. Well, and I mean, yeah, and it, I think it was the way that I was brought up that I wanted to check out every rodeo book that was at the library every time we'd go. Like we would go to take books back and I'd say, Can, I'm just going to keep that one because that's the one I want to read more of. And well, there was a preacher in our town that uh, this, is, this is a little town story. So my town is Mooreville, Kansas. It's the home of the world's first bulldozer, which is a Ford tractor with a blade on it. But it dug the type pipeline, so we named it the world first bulldozer. Um, there's probably growing up a hundred people tops in that town. We had a bar, we had a propane place where my dad worked. Um, we had a welding shop, a school, and two churches for a hundred people. My dad went to the Methodist church. My mom went to the Christian church. No kidding. Yep. And I would go to the Christian church with mom, but <clears throat> the Methodist preacher loved rodeo. So he subscribed to the sports news, and he would send the sports news home every two weeks with Dad after he was done reading it. So <clears throat> I've always said I literally, grew, literally, <clears throat> grew up laying on the floor looking at the pro rodeo sports news and asking my mom to read me the captions before I could really read good, so that I would know who that picture was. So in high school, yeah, yeah, so, yeah. In high school. <laughs> so like in third grade, and I remember I was getting a lash, and my, you know, my teacher was. I wasn't doing very good at school, and I could tell you the top 15 in the world as a third and fourth grader and couldn't tell you crap about school. Like, it was just, it was rodeo nonstop for me. It was all I wanted, and it was all I studied. And then it was just, like, more and more and more and more and more, and what, what could I learn about the history of the, of the sport and, and, and those kind of guys and, and looking up to, you know, the timeries and the, like, like the other day, I got to interview Ted Noose, and I told Ted, I said, in 1985, Ted, you were my second favorite bull rider. And he looked at me, and I said, you won the world that year, but you stole it from Lane Frost, you know? <laughs> and uh, But I get to... He and Ted and I talked about that, <laughs> yeah. actually, about his, yeah. that time. Yeah. And now I get to hang out with Cody Custer. And, you know, I remember I remember Phillipsburg, Kansas, sitting behind the buck and shoots. I was 12, I guess. Custer gets, gets on a rewrite, or no... Cody Custer's behind the buck and shoots. I'm waiting in line to get his autograph. And, and, um, 
Art Watson gets on a bull and rides him as a, as a re-ride. And Art's like 82 and gets off, comes back behind the bucket, shoots, sets down. He said, you want my autograph, kid? I'm better than him anyway. And, but I remember that, you know, that didn't and, age well. And yeah. And he was, and he was riding with Cody. He was traveling with Cody and, and, uh, but you know, it's, it's surreal for me now, all those guys I looked up to as a kid. And now I get to see him on a weekly basis, whether it's Ty or whether it's Cody Lambert or whoever it is. And you really don't, I think you get used to it, but there's always that little thing in the back of your mind. Like I, well, I was at the world finals and looked up, I knew where my parents were mm-hmm. sitting. And Cody Lambert had seen them and went over and plopped down in the seat beside my dad for like a whole and section. That's cool. And I thought, that's freaking Cody Lambert. And the Ted Noose thing. Mm. I've known Ted, but not real deep. And we did one of these with Ted. And that just in my head the whole time, I'm thinking, Ted Noose. And he was in those early Wrangler commercials. Yep. And yep. he, uh, you know, you see so many of those mm-hmm. guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not a... I hope people understand we don't really take that for granted. No, never. no. I mean, I, I sure don't. And the, and, and I'm bad about taking pictures and getting autographs because I don't yeah. want to bother them. But golly, the people that I've got to meet since I was a little bitty kid, just because I put the blinders on and said, I'm going to, I'm going to be involved in this sport one way or another. And nobody's going to stop me from doing it. You know, I just, I, I just did. I went, I'm, this is what I'm going to do one way or another. I'm going to be involved in this sport. And uh, it's awesome. You're uh, you have a little girl named Clemmy, mm-hmm. and how did you're a Clem McSpadden guy? Yep. Maybe yep. Clem McSpadden fell. Okay, there's a generation of rodeo announcers that have tried to be Bob Tallman. Yep. yep. There what before that? Do there still are guys? Th- trying still to be Bob are. Tallman. Well, because <laughs> because Bob Tallman changed the he oh, absolutely he turned the rodeo announcer into an entertainer. Mm. I remember my parents when I was a, a kid, we were in Shoto, Montana and the great falls fair rodeo was happening. In great falls. My dad never was in the PRCA. We mm. did stuff around Montana. I remember my parents saying, we're going to the rodeo tonight. Cause that Bob Tallman, they hired him as the announcer and we kind of want to see what my does. dad. And I remember my mom. Well, I was that Bob Tallman. That son of a bitch paced back and forth <laughs> and with those jeans tucked in those tall red boots and he had a bandana and he hoo-hawed and yahooed. It was the damnedest thing I ever saw. <laughs> now that's it. Like, that's kind of yeah. no, nobody's ever nobody's Bob Tallman. ever going to be ever. Bob Tallman. But they, he changed. Mm-hmm. Not where everybody was exactly like him, but he did redefine. Mm-hmm. Clem McSpadden was before that but a little more than Pete Logan and Cy yeah. He was in that in between, yeah. I think. Well, in, in yeah, so Clem McSpadden, he was uh, he was wasn't he the first general manager actually hired general manager of the NFL? Could be, yeah. Um, he was a he was a congressman. He was Will Rogers' nephew, and Clem just had a way of telling stories, like not excitingly, just telling stories. Like he yeah. was a guy that could have narrated any Disney movie that was ever made, you know? True. Um, but my first pro rodeo was, uh, Claremore, Oklahoma, which I still work. And, um, Clem was there. So I was going in to help Clem and Clem just really just helped me. You know, I would go to his office. I would sit for hours and learn. He made me a steer open fan. And, uh, so yeah, Clem was just so, 
so special to me. Like the announcer of the year trophy is Clem McSpadden on a horse mm-hmm. that, uh, and it's actually designed after the horse and him in Calgary. Um, and, uh, but he just, the knowledge that I got from that guy and just friendship that I got from him in the little, and we only had f- like five years together before he passed away. Um, but what I learned in that amount of time was just unbelievable. And then, yeah, our little girl, our, our uh, little girl, Clemmy, she's named after Clem McSpadden. So. Greatest Clem McSpadden story I ever heard. You know this one. I, maybe you don't. I don't know. Lazy E Arena. I was, I might have been there. Brandon uh, Bates. Leaving. <laughs> Brand, Brandon Bates is 21, yep. working with Clem McSpadden. Yep. They get to the championship round, and it's tough, and Razor, and Clint Bronk. I mean, mm-hmm. in the short round. They buck like five, and they're taking a break, and old Clem says, well, son, I'm going to beat this traffic. You got this from here. <laughs> it leaves. It lights up a cigarette and yep. leaves. Yep. Just like he was at the yep. end of his career, yep. and Brandon was at the beginning. And when Brandon Bates tells that story, he's like, What? <laughs> Wait, you're and he just down the stairs, out the back door. He used to do that to me too. He would he would never stay for the bull riding. He would always he would always leave. But he would never say anything. He would just leave. And you would look up in the announcer stand, all of a sudden he wouldn't be there. The Irish goodbye. Yeah. Isn't that what they call that? But the last and I'll never it just it the craziest thing, the last performance we ever worked together. The bull riding starts. I think we buck one bull. He gets on the microphone, he said, Scott. I'm going home to have some milk and cookies. And he died about a month later. No kidding. It was oh, you did weirdest. tell me that. Huh. It was like it was. I mean, it, and and I I'm so thankful for that moment. Mm. But it was like, see you, my friend. Mm. You know, and it was it was it was crazy. It was eerie. Um, Can we but, uh, do yeah. that? It, that's so classic, Clem. Yep. I knew Clem good enough to Flint. How you do? You know, he yep. just was like this. Yep. You know, and yeah. his wife, such a great no, lady. No, but was a, she was a spe- she uh, was a saint. So, the stage of my finishing up, I think, like Deadwood this week. Listen, I'm gonna go have a hot dog. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> See ya. Gonna go have I'm a hot g- dog. I'm gonna get out of here. <laughs> um, what is all these rodeos you do, and you do some pretty unique Midwest. We all, mm-hmm. we all in our rodeo careers you know, have, have our thing. I, uh, you're Midwest. You do some, mm-hmm. I was Northwest right. more. I think some of the greatest rodeos in the world are in the Northwest. Mm-hmm. And, Agreed. and, but then on the other hand, I went to Abilene, Kansas one time and had a ball. Mm-hmm. Me and Justin McKee after Cheyenne. Um, in my career, I worked one rodeo in Texas. Really? I went to, my big break was there was an overlap in Leon coffee. Couldn't go to San Angelo. Uh, and Mike Servi called me, and I had it was like nineteen ninety, the winter of ninety six, and he said, "You want to come to? I'll get you San Angelo, but you got to come to Clovis, New Mexico, too." Right. That was the for deal free. for almost for free. <laughs> you know the deal. I know the deal. <clears throat> Where as you take off this summer, mm-hmm. we'll leave here and go to Deadwood, and then you're going to go to some more rodeos. There's a lot of people out there. I've been seeing on social media people saying, we want to see more rodeos. How do we know where to go? Mm-hmm. Give me a rodeo that you do in the summer that you think is so cool that people should go see, but I'm not talking Cheyenne, Reno, none right. of that. Well, right. you don't have any of those. Right. I'm joking. Yeah, those, <laughs> but one that you can think of that you go, you know what one you should go to? I think 
Claremore, Oklahoma is one of those rodeos. It's it's a and it's a rodeo that's grown so much in the last however many. It's it's just been good. But let's go back to Abilene, Kansas, because I got Abilene this summer. That's a cool and uh, I literally like. As a kid, mom and dad would take me to Abilene, and I would watch Phil Gardenhire and Liesl Harris. Mm. And I went, man, that's cool. Maybe I could do that. Maybe I could do that and ride a horse around and talk. And Abilene finally hired me this year. Square arena in a park. Yes. Kind of, there's baseball fields. In an old yeah. stone um, grandstand. Right. And then if you get there early, you sit on that side so you don't have to look at the sun. Yeah, that's and right. If you're, and if you're a real rodeo fan, you sit on the east side because you don't mind the sun a little bit, you know. And uh, that's right. <clears throat> and uh, just uh, uh, that rodeo is so, so special to me. And I, and I can't even begin to say the excitement of, of going there. Um, but but the big one for me was Denver. That's that's. A so, yeah, that was place. my next. I actually want to bring that up next. So, but Abilene. I went there that one time after Cheyenne. And I remember I was I was sitting in the stands watching you, really? Justin. Yep, I went to that rodeo that so day. We come from yeah. Cheyenne. I get to Abilene. My th- my thermostat in my motorhome went out. Mm. That is not a place you need to no. be without air conditioning. So I had to get a hotel room, and then they fixed my therm, sent me a therm. You know, there's always those yeah. little things you mm. remember. But I remember we had a... Would that have been where we played a softball game? Yeah, there's a committee. Committee, committee versus... Rodeo softball game, yeah. Oh, it's the... Oh, yeah, yeah. it was oh, yeah. great. Um, yeah, I was I was there because I remember McKee's horse had been had been stalled up for about twelve days in Cheyenne, and that sucker went to pitching with him <laughs> during the perf. And oh as, my! And as soon as the rodeo was over, you guys are like, they put a table in the arena, and you guys were signing autographs, and Justin was at the other end. I mean, loping that dude for all he was worth because <laughs> that was not going to happen again. Uh, so this winter. Um, you get a call, right? Am I right? From Denver mm. during Denver. I always said, you know, people used have through our careers, who is your favorite announcer working? I said, I'll tell you who I kicked ass with was Boyd Paul Hamas. Mm-hmm. And one of those reasons was I was always amazed that Boyd could do 27 performances at Denver and we'd be a Wednesday afternoon at one o'clock and he still was good. Brought it. <clears throat> and made me better. He'd mm-hmm. throw me a bone. Hey, what's your favorite song? And then we'd, yeah. um, but throat issues, right? Yeah. Well, well, I went in there the first weekend and did uh, Colorado versus the world with him, which is a tournament rodeo that Denver does. And then I stuck around and did the Mexican rodeo for two perfs. So I did five perfs in two days, um, mm-hmm. which I had never done that many perfs in two days in my entire life. And then got on a plane and flew to, uh, I think West Virginia somewhere. Mm-hmm. I don't know. We were out east. And, uh, yeah, I get a text, like, can you come back to Denver? I'm like, mm, maybe. What's what's up? And I'm like, well, you know, Boyd's losing his voice a little bit and just wants you maybe come back and help him, this and that. But let, I'll let you know. <clears throat> and then a couple of days later, got the call to go back and got to work uh, 11 more performances in six days and um, stand next to – I think he's the greatest announcer of my generation. To be mm-hmm. honest, I thought I think he's amazing. And uh, what I learned from from Boyd in those days, and and just getting to do that rodeo, another rodeo that I went to when I was a high schooler, and I took my FFA kids there when I was teaching school, and and it was just a that that old building's just special, and mm-hmm. and it was a, that was an absolute dream come true for me to pick up a microphone in the old Denver Coliseum. 
But now you get to go back and now, help. Now I get right? to go back. Yeah, so I'm going to go back. I bet. The whole thing. I'll bet Boyd's okay with that. I think he's okay like, with that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what do you if uh, What do you think? Because I kind of know my answer. Mm. It's a whole different those winter rodeos where you're doing two and three performances a day. How do you think your approach will be different? Uh, <clears throat> I think you have to pace yourself a little bit at those deals, but just like you said, a Wednesday afternoon is just as important as Saturday night. It is, yeah. So you have a lot of perfs. I think you get to where you, I think you get into a rhythm, and then you, you know, you kind of calm down. You get into the rhythm of doing your homework, and 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 you just don't have much time to do a lot of extra work in between yeah. because it's two and three performances a day. But I think that's also where you go. You know what? I was made for this. This is what I do. Yeah. The the difference I found is. And especially now, I, I couldn't do that now. Mm. But when you have a performance at night, whether it's our PBR schedule, you, you're, you structure your day to build to that yeah. 7 o'clock yep. or whatever. You, you time your meals right. You try to get a little rest. You do this. And you build. And in that mm-hmm. moment, you're here. Yep. You can't get there or you're done. No. Yeah, you have to. <clears throat> it's a totally different. I mean, it was like, so this year coming in in the middle of it, I didn't have anything done. I didn't have my prep work done. So it was literally I would I would do a perf, go to the bullfighter locker room and get on a computer for as long as I had. And that might have only been an hour and a half to try to cram as much stuff as I could to get ready for the next perf. And then I would stay up. Like I don't know that I slept the time when I was <laughs> out there, you know. And then yeah. and then finally when that Sunday was over, um, we flew home that night because <clears throat> Beck and the kids came out. We ended up flying home that night. And Monday, it was just like this big crash. Like mm-hmm. you were on this such a uh, big high and 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 done this work, and then so uh, I'm excited to go back next year. We'll have a little bit of prep yeah. time beforehand because <laughs> so. you do get in a groove. I I look back and I'm surprised how well I did. Of course, I was younger and legged up, very good mm-hmm. shape, especially after two weeks there at yep. 5,300 feet. Um, but I found it to be you. It's almost you'd hate to say clock in because it doesn't sound like you're passionate. But in a sense, I used to put on my makeup before the first performance and yeah. never take it off. Right. So you're in that mode all the time, and the mode is a little more level. Mm-hmm. Even though in and out of the arena, you're you're bringing what you can. But it's it's those downtimes you learn to rest your mind while you can, yeah. rest your body. I remember doing three performances on the Saturdays mm-hmm. and I'd put, I put my makeup on at 10 in the morning. It was 11, 3.30 and 8 yep. used to be. I don't know what they are now, but I'd put my makeup on at 10 o'clock in the morning and take it off at 11 o'clock at night. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. it just... Because you didn't have time in between. Yeah. And, and, it's, and it's a very unique rodeo in that aspect still. It's only 16... The whole stock show is only 16 days long. Yeah. Well, there's 25 rodeo performances in 16 days. No other rodeo does that. San Antonio, Fort Worth, none of those... The, the rodeos that used to do that don't do that anymore. Yeah. They have one a night, and then on a Saturday, you might have two. But nobody runs... <clears throat> nobody has that many perfs like they do. Yeah, what a grind. Yep. It was a grind. <laughs> anyway, uh, but you brought up your family before we stop. Mm. You have chosen, and we used to do the RV mm. all summer. You have chosen, I mean, when I went and got you this morning, yep. the kids were still in bed. Yep, yep. Um, it's not a bad life. There's a, the old joke, don't let school get in the way of a good education. Yeah, yeah. Your kids yeah. are seeing 
stuff mm-hmm. as part of their everyday life yeah. that most kids never will get to see. No, they, yeah, and they take advantage of it. Yeah, I watch them. They do. They're, they're traveling the world. I mean, um, <clears throat> and we live in an RV full time. That's how we have decided to live our lives. Now, we're, we're finally building a place. It's going to be awesome to actually have a concrete we can stand on. Um, and your motor home is not, your RV is not a mini Winnie. No, 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 no. Yeah, it's, we have a, it's I got okay. A, I got a 42 yeah. foot with four slides, and, and you oh, know, well, it's pretty yeah. nice. You know, yeah. let's, let's yeah. be honest. And, uh, but, but Becky and I decided when we got married that we were going to take, you know, this is how we were going to do it. And I take them as much as I can during the winter, which is harder because we only fly out for one or two days. Um, but in the summertime, we jump in that bus and we go. And and but you're right. I mean, my kids the other day, and it was it was funny. We're going up through Flathead, and I'm like, "Hey, come here!" And I, oh, well, looks the same as it did last year. I was like, "I know, but it's beautiful. It's Would beautiful. You stand yeah, up here and watch this with me. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah." But we saw it last year. And, but I'm like, how many kids never see that? Uh-huh. And, and my kids do. You know, like Statler at the World Finals. Um, Becky and Lano and, and Clemmy flew home because Lano had her last gymnastics deal for the, for the year. And, and uh, so I kept Statler with me. Well, Statler got to go to catering and got to go to the production meeting, got to hang out the whole uh-huh. perf. And, and, you know, and he understands. He understands his place. He understands where he needs to be. He's, he's always watching and studying the game. You know, he's studying bullfighters. He's studying what you do and what I do. And, um, so yeah, to have my family on the road is just priceless. I don't, I don't know how guys do it when they say, I'm leaving for the summer and then I'm coming back in September. I, I, I couldn't yeah, function I like that. But. What do you, what's your school plan? We're, we're homeschooling, um, as good as, as good as we can, you know, yeah. um, it's hard. Yeah, it like, is hard. Like, I mean, I taught high school agriculture, and, and that was a hard job, but I didn't teach elementary school, and it, it's hard, you know, but, but our kids are learning. And, there's so and, many resources out there. Oh, yeah, and there's, and there's so many great programs, and, and Becky does a great job. She's a trooper. We, we teach totally different. We have totally different mindsets and attitudes, and, and uh, but, I, but I would rather, and, I, and I'm, I'm not bashing the public school system. I, I love school when I was... I love the school that I went to, but I graduated in a class of 11. Right. Okay. I didn't graduate in a class of 400 where nobody knows who you are. 38. Or what you're doing. I graduated 38. Same. Yeah. I'm scared to send my kids to school. Like, honestly, I don't, if we can teach them up to a certain point, that's, that's what we want to do. And that keeps them on the road with us. As we sit here though, now though, this coming week, they'll probably get to go to Mount Rushmore. Yeah. Uh, They've been, I mean, I can, I know where I see your kids Mm -hmm. in the middle of Fort Worth. Yep. Uh, wherever, you know, it's like my kids. It's the old story I tell when Shelby was in eighth grade and they learned about the Alamo. And <laughs> she said, I've been to the Alamo. I've been to the Alamo. <laughs> she was the only one, including yep. the teacher. That it, yep. it sits right in the middle of the city. It's, I, I just think, I don't know, through my career, people have said, what's the best and worst part of your job? Mm. And I say, it's the same thing. Yeah. Travel. Yeah. The travel is the best part mm-hmm. and the travel is the worst part. Yep. There is no better learning tool than seeing how other people live. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, <clears throat> absolutely. Well, and we have you. We have very unique jobs. And I remember I was I was in an airport talking to a guy, and he goes, "Well, man, you're never home." I said, "What do you do for a living?" I said, "I'm an accountant." I said, "What's your What do you do? What's your time frame during the day? Are you a check in at eight and leave about five? Well, I'm about a seven to seven to six. Mm. I said, "Okay." <clears throat> I said, "Well." 
I fly out every Friday morning during the wintertime, and I'm home on Sunday afternoon. But other than that, I get to put my kids to bed every night and get to cook breakfast for them every morning. So I'm actually home longer than you are. I say, except I miss weekends, which Saturdays are soccer games, baseball games, you know, flag football and all yeah. of that stuff that we miss. Um, but just – and then during the summertime, of course, we're gone longer. But, again, we've made we've made the decision that we're going to travel this way. And, and, yeah, is it more expensive to travel that way than it is in a little car? Absolutely. But I'm, I got my kids with me, I re- and that's awesome. I remember when we had our – Motorhome people say, well, that's, uh, is that cheaper than getting a hotel? No, sanity wise. I, you can't put a price on <laughs> no, sanity. No. Sleep in your own bed every yeah. night, have your kids. It just is logistically. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, that, it's valuable. My kids, mm. you know, the thing is, my kids right now, as you know, they're in their 20s and a lot of what they do has to do with travel and they yeah. are not afraid to travel. Yeah. They, yeah. It's well, not a, it's, it's not a big deal for mm. them. And I want my kids to meet people too, because I want to know, <clears throat> I want them to know that no matter where we are in the country, if we have a problem, we have somebody we can call. Right. And, you know, I want them to understand, you know, like the people, it's funny, the people that come up to them and talk to them and then they're like, who was that again? You know? And then, but it was somebody that I looked up to when I was a kid and yeah. they're talking to my kids and, you know, or wishing them happy birthday or whatever yeah. it is. And, and uh, so, <clears throat> yeah, they're... Uh, and not to, I like your, when you talk, cause we have so much mm. in common with that when, you know, Shelby did internship with Cowboy Channel mm-hmm. and she wasn't just a gopher, you yeah. know, they would have her, they'd need guests on the different world champions and good mm-hmm. rodeo people on. And they got her to call them because she, they knew it was no big deal. Yeah. Hey Lisa, Lisa Lockhart. Hey yeah. Lisa, it's <laughs> Shelby or, you know, I'm yep. just picking them. But yep. again, your kids yep. going through this. Yeah. Yep, so, absolutely. well, I appreciate you coming in. No, and thanks for having me. We'll keep, uh, you know, as we do this, Deadwood, South Dakota this weekend, the Flint's final seven dance, whatever. <laughs> I know people are going, I thought you quit. Well, you I had these scheduled the entire time, mm. and there's no way I wasn't coming to these. No, no, no. Uh, a good way to the end of the summer. Yeah. But you've given me good intros. I appreciate you, uh, you know, your words at World Finals. Uh, Kalispell and Great Falls, where you've the crowd has responded well, in more ways. So the other night at, at Great Falls, the arena was was horrible, terrible. <sighs> and you you never left the arena. You never, I mean, yeah, we were frustrated with a lot of things. You never griped over the microphone. Well, never, it. you know, once it starts, it was, and yeah. you did the same thing last year because it wasn't. We had a little bit of rain. It was muddy. You're not used to going out in those deals. And I and I said it at, when I when I sold you the other night. He could have threw, thrown his sucker in the dirt, <laughs> but he didn't because he's the greatest of all time. And you got a standing ovation from a Montana yeah. crowd that knows you. Yeah. That's pretty Well, I cool. appreciate it. Yeah. I appreciate it. So you always say to me, you've said to me several times, thanks for being my friend. And I never respond. Yeah. Just because yeah. I never, but I appreciate yeah. that. Yeah. So absolutely. All right. Well, we'll, we'll do it again this right. weekend. Sounds thanks good. buddy.